Hello, it is Tuesday, September 15th, and it's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, the first one of the season. This will be happening every single Tuesday. Aaron Rodgers will be joining us all year long. Conversation is one that you're going to enjoy the hell out of, too, by the way. I'm, I think we're going to see a side of Aaron Rodgers and hear a side of Aaron Rodgers that people never get to hear. And that is why this show is the dumbest show of all time, because there's no reason the most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL should be joining us. But they are. Well, he is. You get it. Singular, not plural, but I'm talking about just in that scheme. The guests that we get make no sense. And we're so thankful that you choose to listen to this show. If you enjoy this show, go ahead and tell a friend about it. We have moved to a daily podcast, so say, hey, every day around uh, three, four, maybe five, depending on the tech in the internet, sorry about what happened yesterday, there's a show that comes out that's stupid, that has good guests, and sometimes says some incredibly smart things. Speaking of smart things to say, FanDuel is the greatest sports book on planet Earth. The amount of boosted odds that they hand out, and odds are the return that you get on your bet, okay? And so the fact that FanDuel boosts odds in a fashion that makes no sense, they're basically cutting into their profit. I think that FanDuel is attempting to lose money every single day. That is what it feels like whenever I'm betting with FanDuel. Their odds are outrageous. Everybody else has worse odds. Their tech on their mobile app is the greatest. I mean, it's so easy to use. Customer service is great. We're trying to make sports gambling fun. We're trying to make it uh, a trustworthy operation. And I think FanDuel is hitting that out of the park. Obviously, there's daily fantasy. There's free-to-play trivia and quizzes that happen where you could potentially win some money. One-stop shop for everything you could potentially need in your fantasy, gambling, and free-to-play world. And that's our friends at FanDuel. They sponsor this show. They sponsor this office. They sponsored Ty Schmidt's colitis treatments. They sponsor everything we have. And hopefully they'll be the sponsor that gets Gumpy into America full-time. Shout out to FanDuel. Shout out to you. Let's get to Aaron Rodgers Tuesday on the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. After two Monday night football games last night, we are now officially done with week one of the NFL regular season. Woo! Yeah! Woo! yeah! Woo! 16 more glorious weeks to go. And what did we learn last night is what everybody is asking. What did we learn on the first Monday Night Football? Well, Big Ben Roethlisberger is back. <laughs> he started a bit slow, then he got cranking. <laughs> Throwing for a couple oh, tutters to the always litty Juju Smith. Schuster. Ben was limping a little bit, extending plays, taking shots, and throwing some reckless rocks. Big Ben was back in his happy place. And on the other side of the ball, that Steelers defense is still unbelievable. A couple opportunistic turnovers at the right time, massive collisions. Uh, Danny Dimes showed glimpses of greatness for the G-men, but that offensive line protecting him is going to be a problem this year. So much so that a banged-up Ben Roethlisberger actually outrushed Saquon Barkley. <laughs> oh. Giants are definitely in a rebuild, but that doesn't change the fact that it appears that the Steelers are all the way back, baby. Herb Street, Fowler, and Maria Taylor called that game in the empty Meadowlands Stadium. They were unbelievable, as expected. Maybe the most polished announcing crew there is, to be completely candid. Fowler got a couple names wrong, possibly because he's been calling the U.S. Open for the last 15 days, got dropped into a Monday Night Football booth, and now he 
goes back to college football. But other than that, good flow for the entirety. And it's the first time the internet has agreed on Monday Night Football's presentation in, what, a few years? Yes. Long time. Mm-hmm. And in the second game of the doubleheader last night, the Tennessee Titans flew to mile high to take on the Denver Broncos. The game felt like it kicked off at about midnight, and I doubt a lot of humans were able to stay up and watch the whole thing. But the big takeaways are that the Titans won, but didn't cover. Just frustrating to all of us who bet on them because there was 10 points left on the board in the kicking game. A lot of folks are bearing Super Bowl champion multi and all-pro kicker Steven Goskowski this morning for missing three field goals and an extra point. I assume nobody hates Steven Goskowski more this morning than Steven Goskowski, but he did hit the game winner, which is a little bit of a positive that could come from that particular department. Now, a lot of kickers miss kicks this weekend, okay? I know it, you know it. I have no idea why. I thought it was potentially jitters that they weren't able to shake off due to no preseason games Mm -hmm. or the potential awkwardness of kicking with no fans in the stands. It feels like practice. And you should always take a look at the snap and the hold before burying the kicker. But this is the NFL. Mental toughness is the separator between good kickers and great kickers. There's a lot of people that can kick balls. Not a lot of people that make the NFL. Then there's going to be a lot of movement on these rosters at the kicking position. But guys need to start making kicks. It's getting hard to keep making excuses for them out here on the internet streets. I'm getting buried just as much as they are getting buried because I've always gone to bat. But this year, it really feels like for this first weekend college and nfl now granted there's guys that are great justin tucker hits one of the most pure balls in the history of hitting pure balls amen he's still got there's still those elite like maybe five guys at this point i'm not even sure there's more than five and punters have been bombing balls like obviously the punters we're holding up our end of the bargain because we're freak athletes but the kicking department it's getting bad and that is something that I assume Goskowski is going to address this morning. He addressed it immediately after the game, but he's not the only one. There was a lot of missed kicks, more so than I'd ever seen. And we'll talk about that during this show. Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, also mismanaged his timeouts late. Uh, it was terrible. It's almost like the Mad Hatter from LSU was back coaching for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Just sat on three timeouts with the other team getting the ball with four minutes left. So that's three timeouts and a two-minute warning. That's four stoppages of the clock. He goes to bed last night with two timeouts still, and Goskowski kicking a field goal with like 19 seconds left to take the lead, leaving the Denver Broncos shit out of luck. So a lot of people are questioning his decisions. He came into a microphone at a press conference after the game and was very confident with what he did. And the rest of the world is very confident that what he was saying there was completely wrong. So the two storylines for the late game, missed kick and Vic Fangio being a, a, a dum-dum there at the end with mm-hmm. his time management, both of those things will hopefully be able to change. And if you watch the game just from a football stance, Drew Locke is eerily similar to Matt Stafford. I love it. He's got an absolute hose, seems to have good swagger. He seems to be confident. If that Denver Broncos team, which is young on the offensive side of the ball, they said the average age of that team was 25 years old. John Elway said he's all in on Drew Locke. That team's young. They got a lot of money. They are going to build. I think they potentially are a very, very good team here in the next few years. Now, granted, they got the Chiefs for the next 12 years they're going to have to deal with in their division, which is a problem. But I liked watching old Drew Locke play football last night. He's now 4-2 and in his NFL career and he looks very confident also what we learned last night derrick henry will wear your ass out all Mm -hmm. game long first half a lot of people are talking about derrick henry's done this is why you don't pay running back some people are saying on the internet oh the offense of last year won't work this year because ryan Tannehill won't be able to use the play action because derrick henry isn't running as hard as he ran last year well that's what derrick henry does first half he's just beating you up 
And then in the second half, we are going to pop one, and we're going to pop another. And by the way, this defensive end that's playing running back is going to come all <laughs> night long for the Tennessee Titans. That's why Mike Vrabel had a mask on before he got on the, the flight to fly to Mile High and said, please give the ball to Derrick Henry. That is something they'll be committed to. Will they be able to do that when they're down by a lot? Oh, That'll mm-hmm. be the big question. Can somebody get the Titans down a lot? Will they still remain with Derrick Henry? Grand in pond. I'm not sure. The games weren't the most exciting, but I think I speak for all of us when I'd say I'd rather watch bad NFL football than anything else on earth. Mm-hmm. It turns out we're not the only ones. The NFL debuted this weekend with the biggest number it's had in years. People said that the NFL ratings were tanking. Well, guess what? You are wrong. <laughs> the NFL's are all, uh, uh, ratings are actually skyrocketing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Things are going the opposite direction. By the way, there's people that hate football that wanted to see the ratings tank. And there's people that love football that wanted to see the ratings tank. Both sides wanted to see the ratings tank, but I think both sides watched to see what they were going to be mad about. <laughs> yeah. And this, the ratings went How through the doing? roof. How you doing? Keep it moving. And the, the game has been good. Last night was a little bit boring, but now we're on to week two. Now we are getting into the season. We will have picks all week for who we think you should hammer this weekend. I like the Patriots a lot against mm. the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> next week. Everybody's going to pick that. They're some early teasers and today Aaron Rodgers joins us in yeah. the two o'clock hour his okay. first Tuesday with us that will extend all season long Darren Woodson formerly of the Dallas Cowboys he'll be here in a few minutes and possibly a Kirk Herbstreet sighting in the second oh. hour I sent out a text he said he might have something let me text you back see if I can find some time in there I said Herbie you let me know bub you just called a great Monday night football game as did by the way Steve Levy uh, Lewis Riddick and Greasy. Yeah, Greasy and Riddick sounded the exact same, yeah. mm-hmm. which is interesting, but I think we all agree that it was light years ahead than it has been, yeah. and I think Steve Levy is an excellent, excellent play-by-play guy. Now, let's have a Tuesday. All the boys are here dressed up in his best Yellowstone costume <laughs> at Tone Diggs. How's it going, pal? Well, I'm just supporting. I gotta go uh, round up some cattle after the show, so I figured I'd dress the part. Uh, today could have been terrible for you. You were, always, you were already uh, setting up a story for you not being able to come into work today because the Steelers started wow. slow, but then they figured it out later. If you would have lost to Danny Dimes in that particular Giants team with that particular oh. offensive line, it would have been a tough day to be a Steelers fan. And I'm happy they got the win because it's great to see you all dressed up as if it's Halloween in here on this beautiful September 15th. Well, I said I was going to have to call off because some fucking stooge reporter said that Ben was out and Mason Rudolph was worn up on the sideline. And then two minutes later, he was like, everyone relax. Like, guy, you put out the fucking news, okay? And then that was a... I wasn't going to come in today if Ben was out. For yeah, Ben's year. out. That's going to be tough. He was limping very early mm-hmm. before he yeah. even made his first pass completion, I believe. He was already limping, which in my eyes is like, okay, Ben is back. He's taking shots. He's extending plays. He had a couple air mails early. Mm-hmm. He was like kind of feeling his way back. He said he was going to be shaking because yeah. he was nervous. After the game, he said he had a lot of people to thank, first and foremost. God. His, his Lord, Lord and Savior, Savior yeah. Jesus Christ. Christ. Yep. Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ wasn't there for the first quarter for him, but he came in there second, third, fourth quarter. Uh, He looked very good. And with that Steelers defense, I I mentioned to it, they look unbelievable. They look just like the team last year that took an offense that didn't really do anything almost to the playoffs. That Steelers, if you're a Steelers fan, you have to feel very good. I don't know why Boz missed an extra point and kicked the kickoff out of bounds. Figure it out, Boz. He's one of the best kickers that the NFL's got. I mean, it was a problem there, but Steelers fans got to feel very good about this year as opposed to what was going on last year. Feel very good. The defense was the defense. Saquon with what? six yards or whatever but Ben it was eerily similar he did that that terrible documentary in the first episode and he was talking about I believe the Seahawks game and how like the first half they were just trying to figure it out and then they, when they got in a two minute he was calling plays 
He figured it out. The same exact thing happened last night because Randy Fickner is the worst offensive coordinator. Jeez, dude. In football in any age group. Okay, so Randy Fickner, offense coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, was hired because he's friends with Ben Roethlisberger, right? So he gets a job last year. Ben Roethlisberger obviously has the tennis elbow or whatever other elbows you would like mm-hmm. to infer it to. So he had to call his whole first season as an offense coordinator with Mason Rudolph and old Ducky Hodges, who's currently now on the practice squad. Mason Rudolph is now the backup. This year, they're going to have to figure it out again, by the way. There's going to have to be a remelding, remolding. But last year, his play calls, I believe, were a little bit different because of who he had playing quarterback. Let's assume he opens it up a little bit because yeah. they did look a little soft early as if Roethlisberger couldn't throw the damn ball. He's been there. I think he's been there a few. He he loves the shotgun toss, which gets shoved up his ass every single time. But he just <laughs> continues. He Tough just point. continues to absolutely run it. Uh, but hey. Benny Snell, football's back, baby. Hey, Benny Snell from the University of Kentucky, mm-hmm. he runs very hard. Mm-hmm. I think James Conner had a sprained ankle, but mm-hmm. Benny Snell was going ham. I believe Pittsburgh's probably happy for that. By the way, you know Benny Snell owns a racehorse. Did not. Yeah, it's called Snellia. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Burners. I, I checked out his uh, I checked out his Instagram today because I was like, I feel like Benny Snell is yep. probably going to be a name that we're going to hear here mm-hmm. for the Pittsburgh Steelers going forward. He runs very hard, went to the University of Kentucky. I believe he has a horse race. Tomlin horse. loves him. I know Tomlin loves him, Benny. which is huge. Well, Snell you later, pal. That's his actual Instagram and his Twitter handle, I believe, is Snell you later. So Shuts I, out. I, I like the way this guy operates. Uh, at Boston Connors here, looking like a buffoon. How's it going, pal? Uh, fantastic. Don't look like a buffoon. That was a Craig Shager undershirt. Support him. Not <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Whoa. Easy, dude. Uh, the Larry Bird Hardwood Classic game one tonight. Eastern Conference Finals. Basketball is still, in fact, <laughs> on, even though no one cares. Yeah, the NBA's, their ratings were allegedly in the crapper the gutter right in the gutter because i do believe that the nba is consumed in a different fashion the nba is consumed via social media that's how i yeah. consume the nba is via social media whether it's the players posting inside looks at their presidential suites that they're staying in with 45 <laughs> bottles of wine cracked open like your lebron james mm-hmm. or if it's highlights that are shown on every single account that shares any sports accounts you can kind of see the way the entire game goes in the nba it always is one team's up Another team catches up. Yep. Then the last five minutes, both teams are in it. Mm-hmm. It's just it's always the same game. And you watch it on Twitter or you watch it on social media, you keep up with it. So it made sense that the ratings were tanking. But then I started thinking, like, well, is that going to happen to every sport? Like, is every sport just going to be consumed by highlights on the Internet and not watch things? Ooh. And with people cutting cord, and it turns out the NFL is like, nah, nah. nah, <laughs> nah people are watching sports, though. Uh-huh. You just got to get past the ones that are only highlight-driven. This is a team game over here, the NFL said. NFL's king. It always will be. I mean, there's a game. Seven tonight, no one even gives a damn. But last night for the Broncos, Jerry Judy is unbelievable. He looks like he's freakishly fly, uh, fast, yeah. explosive oh, yeah. as well, and he runs great routes, which has always been talked about. Drew Locke and he are going to be a little tag team for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton was out, obviously, yes, yeah. so that puts a lot more pressure on him. Uh, Melvin Gordon fumbles the rock yeah. there, mm-hmm. gives away some points, but. Philip Lindsay had a great year, I think, the last couple of years, and he's kind of just been put on the, the back burner. I'd assume they're going to go a little bit both because I think Melvin Gordon... Co-starters. They are technically co-starters. Well, I, I watched the first half of that game last night and then woke, woke up this morning watched the second half, and uh, I, I saw a lot of Melvin Gordon there early as yeah. if he was a starter, yeah. and Philip Lindsay kind of got filtered in a little bit as the game went on. But that's an interesting dynamic over there. But I like Drew Locke. Mm. I like Drew Locke a lot. Good football. Yeah. Good Noah football. Fant also had a very good yeah. game yeah. last night. That's Ty Schmidt. Yeah, he scored, I believe. Another yeah. Iowa tight end. Yeah, Drew Locke is a uh, – he, he's – I mean, he slings it now. He's yeah. fun to watch. The comparison yeah. to Stafford is perfect. He really is. He felt like Stafford when I was watching. Very confident. Yep. Big arm. Massive arm. 
team that's probably going to let him down. You think John Elway's going to let him down, Danny? Did you see this, the stat last night? That Oh, John Elway's got a book. He's just burying Tim Tebow. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's a book out right now, I guess, with John Elway and his staff are just burying Tim No. Tebow. I guess so, yeah. I, Tim? I, the Tim that we met? The yeah, Tim that, that we know. Yeah. The Tim that we know. Yeah, I guess uh, behind the scenes of the Broncos, some other stories are being told, I guess, <laughs> in this book that came out. But John Elway, I think he's pumped that he's got Drew Locke. They, they said last night early, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy, who I thought they did a good job, by the mm-hmm. way. I think putting them on after Herb Street and Fowler was <laughs> a little bit aggressive. Tough call. I mean, you were, yeah. I mean Tough call. people with big brains are making those decisions. You, you have them follow potentially the most polished uh, play-by-play yeah. and commentator yeah. in all the football, potentially. Yeah. Like, they're just a polished yeah. operation. You know exactly what you're going to get with them, okay? Herb Street's going to be very smooth. Fowler's going to be very professional. Here we go. We got this. And then you got this brand-new team that has been named to the Monday Night Football booth to go immediately after them. By the way, you're starting at midnight yeah. when people are tired already. <laughs> no one's watching. But I thought they did good. I thought they did good. But that is that. what we just did there was a massive compliment to Fowler and Herb Street. That's because they are mm-hmm. so damn good. Mm-hmm. But I thought... I thought watching Drew Locke was awesome. I really did. I enjoyed it. And the way they were talking about how John Elway believes in Drew Locke, he's like, hey, we're going to give this guy the keys, basically. I think it's a smart move. Got to keep up with Patty Mahomes, though. Uh, At Ty Schmidt, we have your hero, Aaron Rodgers, joining us in the third hour at Mm -hmm. 2.05 Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, What do you want to hear out of Aaron Rodgers today? Uh, I really want to know what – a lot of people were talking about what he was drinking on the sideline. He had uh, some sort of purple drink Drink. in in just a a random bottle. So I want to know if he's trotting that thing around like Aaron's secret stuff, (laughs) Like Space Jam, maybe squirting that in some guy's mouth. I don't, I don't know. I want it all sport, little hugs, maybe. What if I'm it's sure. lean? What if it's lean? Well, that would be awesome. Even better. That what would if be it's awesome. purple drink? What if he has Skittles in there nobody can see, and he's out there <laughs> just scissor all over the field? That would be great. I would respect him tenfold more. He looks like he's throwing the ball harder and faster yes. than he's yeah, ever thrown. Yeah, he does. He looks like he's in better Sweet. shape than he's ever been in his entire life. Well, well, I, not, I, that's what I want to talk to him about. Like, What did you do this offseason that makes you – Almost look faster, more rejuvenated. Is it because of the draft pick? Did it kind of make you just think, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with anything. I'm just going to play football. Like, or was it an actual physical body plan that you went on? Because I would like to know what it is. Probably not going to be able to stick to it. Right now, we're finding out whether or not cardio can keep up with my consumption of calories. Okay, because I like eating a lot. Mm-hmm. Last night I took down an entire double stuff Oreo pack oh, <laughs> with it. milk. It was skim though. Be yeah. smart. There we go. Wow. But they say you do cardio, you can eat whatever you want. Yes. Oh yeah. You can eat whatever. That's why everybody's yeah. told me who's in shape. Like, hey, you do cardio, you can eat whatever. I'm doing cardio every day. I'm starting to get a little fatter, but I was on keto whenever I was doing it yeah. before. Mm-hmm. So I assume there would be some carb fat that would come with mm-hmm. it. But we are going to find out whether or not my math can beat my legs or not. And that is going to be a tall tale sign here or a telltale sign here for this fall, whether or not I become a fat ass. But Aaron Rodgers looks like he's on a perfect plan over there. He looks very good. Yeah, and it will be interesting because he did mention last week that his arm feels better than it has. Never hurt. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. you never really know what to expect with that. I'd also be interested to hear because I think he mentioned that uh, he thinks it might be easier to draw guys off sides with the hard uh-huh. count in the empty stadiums because he got like three of them against the Vikings. So I wonder if there is any difference to that with no one being in the stands. I forgot who was calling the game, and it might have been last night. A lot of guys have been getting guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and by the way, as a defensive lineman, their entire job, right, is you watch the ball, okay? Mm-hmm. You watch the ball. You're not even listening to anything. Go ahead and don't even listen to anything. You watch the ball. If I am on my 
the tip of my my fingertips yeah. you know what i mean the tip of my fingertips <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if i'm on my fingertips and i weigh 280 pounds 275 pounds and it's third and long and i know i have to beat this tackle who's making a hundred million dollars to do what they're doing it's gonna be it's gonna take a lot of discipline not to move on her when yeah. somebody oh my god because there's just like some i am so impressed by that and offensive linemen on the flip side they're not even allowed to scratch like their leg whenever no. they get lined up. You have to be completely still. And if not, ball start. It's those two, the amount of discipline that it takes on both sides immediately before vicious contact is insane. But the fact there is no crowd noise, I would assume that you could do I took a lot of pride in being able to drop people off sides mm-hmm. on field goals. A lot of it takes, by the way, from the gut. Oh. You know, I learned that from uh, my brother was in a, a, a goth band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A screamo band. Goth? Uh, I don't know if they were goth. What were they, Jay? What were you guys technically? Uh, like a screaming metal band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. screaming metal. Band. Jay's a big screamer too. Yeah, He's yeah. always getting screaming. Death metal, I guess. So yeah. I'd be. Yeah, Jay never talks. He was the drummer, and he had to do it. <laughs> it was a double bass drum, right? So he had to. Uh, he had to like sprint a marathon throughout the show, basically, because he had to. Because <laughs> that's the way the music is. Yeah, that type of music. I would be out living in Indianapolis, obviously working. I come home one off season, or, or I forget when I came home, and my dad like excited. He's like, uh, "Do you hear what Jay's doing? Do you hear what Jay's doing?" And I was like, no, no, what's Jay doing? He's like, oh, Ash Jay, what he's doing? And then my mom's like, do you hear what Jay's doing? I'm like, no, no, no. So I go, Ash Jay. I'm like, Jay, what are you up to? He's like, oh, I joined a band or whatever. I'm like, Jay, you, you play a musical instrument? He's like, oh, they're having me play the drums. So Jay never played the drums before this. <laughs> what? He was just a tappy son of a bitch. So just tap, 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 tap. So I was like, you're in a band? and you're, That's awesome. You're playing drums? I was like, what type of band? He was like, oh, we're like a uh, like a metal scream band. I'm like, oh, man, cool. Like, good for you. Like, I was happy for him. So then I go to a show. <laughs> I go to a show, and you guys, you got dudes in uh, eyeliner. eyeliner. Uh-huh. You got like all black and, and, then, and the yeah. Oh. It was it was. I don't know if there's any jugglers there, but this was a. <laughs> they got after it, and the lead singer had the most um, like a like what's the ability to withstand for a long time, like the most endurance oh, on man. his yell. This dude yelled for an hour straight, <laughs> big diaphragm, like just yelled for an hour straight. And Jay ran for an hour straight on that face. <laughs> and I asked him, I'm like, uh, his name, his formerly goes by Broken Wings, by the way, it was oh, a stage. Nice. Ooh, so I go, Mr. Broken Wings, I go, how do you do that for an hour? Like, how do you not lose your voice? He's like, oh, you gotta go from your diaphragm or whatever. You gotta go from your diaphragm. And I was like, okay. And, and he like was starting to teach me, you know, next week, next year, I took that into. I took Broken Wings' knowledge onto the <laughs> wow. field. Wow. Yeah, I got like two people to jump off sides. I got another one to jump off sides, but Walt Anderson's an asshole and he called it on me. Uh-huh. But Broken Wings of a scream metal band that my brother just picked up one off season <laughs> was a reason why I started getting good inflection and good <laughs> on uh, people. And it was it was magical. And I got everybody in training camp because there's nobody. Uh, it's like yeah. the stadium is currently. Yeah. I got people at training camp like the first four days, like just people knew it was coming. And I was just like, so i would assume aaron feels the exact same way i I took so much pride in it so much pride in it and like obviously it takes a lot of work and practice you have to have a kicker that won't budge like vinatieri wasn't even he probably didn't hear you yeah he didn't even know that i was doing it but the offensive line that's something where they're very tired on field goal reps and they're about to just get run over so like the games of like uh, hey we're gonna go on three this time like (laughs) 
wasn't always well received by <laughs> certain, not the ball but i would have to like i would have to like sell it to him i'd have to be like yeah, so. like hey listen if we go on three one time we go on one next time these guys are going to be on their heels a little yeah. bit they're not going to blow you up as much and they're like yeah that's right you're true you're it's very true but we're going to be very tired so make sure you're very clear on what number we're going on i was like oh you got it so i come jogging on the field yelling these things and the other team would know something was happening but all you need is one rookie corner that's supposed to be on the edge and i would like actually scan and i'd see him like up on i'm like oh there's a guy <laughs> oh i got a guy over there i got a guy it was awesome yeah and then normally they did the and then the, the yeah it's only a round of time you get them but shout out mr broken wings shout out broken wings yeah. dude and who knew jay is beethoven he can just pick up drums and just play instruments like you know that. jay jay was tapping on things my entire life uh, yeah. okay it actually jason mcfee's here by the way mr mansuri is here evan fox is here frank moraldo gumpy uh billy tubes and on the casting couch the voice of the internet at Viva Lazita. Your poll today is? Uh, it is Will uh, Kickers Think Forever. Okay. All right. Whoa. So the answer <laughs> is so far with 900 votes, 67.1% uh, uh, people say yes. That is tough. That's I don't like that. <laughs> Joining us now is a Super Bowl champion. And yesterday he was titled by a caller, I don't recall, the Crimson Chin. Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk. Yeah. Hey, hey, AJ, what's going on, bub? Can you guys hear me today? Hopefully. Yeah, you oh, yeah. sound amazing. And okay. you and I have a moment here to chat about what we're about to do here. We're about to embark on an NFL season-long Tuesday visit from a man who would be widely considered the most talented quarterback to ever play football, who looks better than he's ever played, Aaron Rodgers, who happens to be one of your good friends and my best friend. I'm pretty pumped up about this. <laughs> You're right. Are you going to – I think you should go – like way over the top with his intro. I know that you're you're kind of famous for that. You make guests feel oh, great gosh. about themselves. I, I didn't. I think you really needed to juice him up. I think. You know, the problem is I didn't even think about that because I kind of took this for granted that we're best friends at this point. Mm -hmm. But this is a paramount situation here. This oh, yeah. guy Huge. is a oh, living yeah. legend. And Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays. And he's Aaron. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays. 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 All season. Uh, is he on right now? Okay, so here we go. Let's get. Hey. Ooh. Hey, here, here we, we go. go. Hey, hey, come on now. Come on now. You gonna do Bring him in now. You gonna do it now. Tuesday, September 15th marks the first day of a season-long voyage that we are about to take together. Right now, 2.05 Eastern Daylight Time. I am proud and honored to introduce to you a man who is a perennial pro bowler mm -hmm. in all Pro, a man who's aging like fine wine, somehow playing better football than he played 25 years ago. Green Bay Packers legend, Super Bowl champion from Butte, California, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers! Please tell me that that's going to be a one-time thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll never do it again, but like, uh, we'll be able to cut that into like promos and all that stuff, so I had to do it one time. It's definitely uncomfortable for you, but I think listening, people are like, hey, damn good intro of Aaron Rodgers right there. 
Yeah, I'm sure, Pat. <laughs> next week, wait till you hear what next week says, and especially if you play like you did on Sunday. Hey, you're feeling. You had to be feeling good. You told us last week that the elbow wasn't sore in camp for like the first time in ten years. Then we watched you on Sunday. It looked like you were throwing the ball faster than you have in recent past. You look thinner than you've ever looked. You look more fit. What is it? Are you a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers? What is this at the old age? Well, you inspired me, Pat. When I saw you. And those squads, you know, down in in, uh, in the Bahamas, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta take care of myself a little better. So I went out to Columbus, Ohio, and I, I got on AJ's workout regimen. You know, 5 a.m. in the morning, doing the Versa climber, you know, for 22 minutes, and then, you know, do some biceps and some, uh, and, you know, some neck stuff. Shrugs. shrugs. Yeah. Got to get the shrugs in there. Work on the baby pack, you know, with some one arm. Uh, <laughs> You know, one-arm uh, dumbbell bench, and this is what you get right here, buddy. You do look better than you've ever looked. AJ, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I just want to know if Aaron's offended that you said he's thinner than – he looks thinner than ever. Like, that's not really a compliment. A little bit a of a shot. A little bit of a shot there. That's on me. I didn't no, I don't think that was a shot. Thank you. I think you look fitter than you've ever looked. AJ, don't try to drive a wedge AJ. between us here AJ. on this first AJ. 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 Easy, dude. AJ. I can never drive a wedge between best friends. You know that. You guys are, you know, blood for life. Bingo. And I, I'm very happy to say that on Sunday, I was also drinking my purple drink, Aaron. Were you drinking the same purple drink as me on Sunday? Big conversation on the internet. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you were drinking. I've heard of some different types of purple drink, but uh, mine was uh, Pedialyte, actually. Oh, great! Pretty standard. I know people have made you know gifts and whatever memes about uh, about what I've drank. Now I used to drink uh, Grape Crush for sure after every game, not just when we beat the Vikings. Every game, every game, and then I kind of gave that up. I, I grew up a little bit, you know, had to move on, and. Uh, but, but yeah, especially playing indoors, I worry about uh, about cramping. So I'm always drinking my my Pedialyte. I can't pick the colors, you know. Uh, my uh, buddy Adam, you know, picks the colors out. As you know, Adam. Um, oh, the orange one's terrible. Anyways, the purple yeah. is the only one that is even mm-hmm. drinkable. It's great, it's yeah. fantastic. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, I only use it for hangover, so maybe I was in this <laughs> terrible situation, but the purple one's the only one that is even close to being drinkable, in my eyes. Age? Oh, <laughs> not even an answer. I don't care about any of them. I, I want to ask a football question quick, Aaron, so oh, I need to know it. one of your signals, and I know you got to change signals. This is legit. So, in fourth quarter, I think it was three by one, you had Devontae by himself, singled out. It was single high safety, I know. You gave him the old thumb suck. I think you gave it to him twice. You looked out there, oh, okay, real casual, a little thumb suck. What does that mean? And I know you looked off the safety. We knew there was no way you were going left to the three-man side. You, you had Devontae manned up, and you dropped it right in the bucket on the sideline. Now, what exactly does the thumb suck mean? Bingo. We would like to know. <laughs> it's actually a dummy signal. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's a lie. That's dummy a- for what? Then, So what is it? Plays on three by one. We, if you're manned up, single high, we're coming to you no matter what? No, I knew it was man coverage. I, you know, I actually, uh, you know, with it's thing based on the, you know, no fans and the, I don't know what was going on with the sound. It seemed much quieter than some of the decibels we've been working with during training camp, but it was quiet out there. And then, you know, we're going to have to really take a look at the TV copy and see what was said out there because we're going to have to change some, some more. I think the entire league is going to have to, you know, it's been, it's been something I know defenses have studied over the past few years, uh, especially now that the guards have been mic'd up for a number of years. But now you can hear everything. 
Oh, I don't know how many colorful metaphors I dropped on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. I don't know what the delay is now. Pat, you might know, know. what the delay is on the broadcast now because they're, they're going to have to watch it because I'm sure there was they were picking up some more, uh, some more good words. So normally there's like a seven-second delay, I guess, in things. But Monday Night Football last night, I heard a lot of you motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard a lot of that going on. But to the quietness of the stadium there, your hard count is very, very impressive. And it seems like a lot of guys have been taking advantage of that. Was that something you knew, obviously? Because you told us last week, you are like, you don't think you're going to have to go to a silent count, so you knew you were going to be able to get the cadence off. But that hard count is something that's been a weapon for offenses. And I would assume you, you assume that's going to stay the same throughout the rest of the season? Well, I think it's definitely helping the, the road teams, for sure, not having to deal with the crowd noise and do a silent count. Now, you know, I think I said it uh, – you know, this week, uh, last week in the production meeting, it looked like Houston was using silent count in Kansas City. Um, Kansas City had 18,000 fans or whatever. Uh, so I know there's going to be some places that are allowing fans, so we might have to use silent count at some point. But using a live cadence is definitely a weapon. It's been a weapon for so many years at home for us. We've drawn a lot of people off sides, and we've made, you know, definitely thrown a lot of touchdowns and big plays doing that. Uh, you know, they blew. Since, uh, you know, we had a game of 15 in Seattle, and there was a little bit of complaining after the game about <laughs> the fact that the snap wasn't synced up with the uh, um, the line movement when there was an offsides. So they've, they've really made an emphasis on blowing a lot of those plays dead. Now, if it looks like there's going to be an unabated to the quarterback or if it looks like uh, the offensive line moved before the, uh, the center snapped it. Um, so you don't get as many maybe opportunities as you used to. But we had a good one in the uh, in the third quarter where – they jumped. They didn't blow it. We snapped it and, and uh, hit Marquez for about 35 yards to get us down inside the five and, and set up another score. So it's you know it's a weapon. We're going to keep using it. Aaron, I draw. I drew a couple people off sides uh, for field goals. You got to go from diaphragm, bub. I saw that. I saw that uh, that tweet you had. I, what did you do though? Did you snap the ball and run around and throw it up? <laughs> no, no, nope. They they would blow it dead every time for field goals. But I agree. I, if me and Jack Doyle, who was the uh, wing, would have been on the same page a little bit more. Maybe he runs a route there. I scramble around. I pull an Aaron Rodgers impression, throw a dart at the age of 75 somehow, harder than I've ever thrown the ball right to Jack Doyle. Maybe I'm a superstar. Maybe I'm still playing. Maybe that's what's wouldn't going you, on. Wouldn't you just for the, uh, the aesthetics wanted to throw to maybe a, a, an offensive lineman or a defensive line, give him a chance. You know, there's one chance. You drive guy off sides. Oh, yeah. And you got, uh, you know, the biggest guy out Anthony there. Anthony Costanzo dry, running Costanzo, out there. yeah. Yeah, big pies on. Costanzo scored a touchdown, though. He had a nice celebration. That yep. was a couple years ago. Yeah, he did the uh, – I forget what it was. He had been planning that for years, by the way. <laughs> um, the, the second year in the offense here with the floor, I assume a lot of people are making a story out of this, but you did look much more comfortable and it looked like the entire offense. Is this just natural progression, you think? Yeah, I think it's natural progression. I think it's um, the fact that we had no crowd noise in Minnesota, I think, uh, didn't hurt either because that's a tough place to play. You know, we opened up the stadium a few years ago, the first game there, and it was electric. Last year we were playing for the division in week 16. Um, a little different when you can hear everything that's uh, being said on the field compared to when you can't hear anything uh, from a guy, you know, a few feet from you. So that definitely gave us, I think, uh, a little bit of an advantage over some years past. But I thought Matt had a really nice plan. I thought he got into a flow with the calls. And when we got into a rhythm, you know, we just kind of kept uh, kept rolling. We did some good things on third down. We were 6 for 11 on third down, which is important. We were terrible in the red zone in the first, uh, you know, quarter and a half. And then 
you know, we figured to figured a couple things out and scored on, I don't know, five possessions in a row. Or something like that. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. What about I, I saw you celebrating a lot. You'd go over and hug the receivers after big drives. Huh. You and Lafleur obviously seem to have a, a good connection, which seems. You guys get physical with each other. You seem to like to punch. Like that's you're like an aggressive meathead. You get a big <laughs> play and you guys start yelling at each other and you give him yeah. a few jabs always like has it always been like that from day one with him? <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> Dumbest. Remember Kevin Green. You play with Kevin Green. KG love to get physical when you celebrate. I see the same thing with you two. Look, you know, I've watched your celebrations over the years. You know, I, I haven't yeah, you know, been caught flipping anybody off from the field. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not saying I haven't done that before. I just avoided the cameras. Bingo, smart. Which is uh, is asinine to think that you could avoid you could flick someone off and avoid the cameras. We all know you can afford the fifteen twenty thousand dollar fine you'd get. But. Oh, but the kids, AJ. Jeez. Worry about the kids, AJ. Jeez, why don't you be an adult? Who's working the cameras at these networks? They don't have a camera at all times on Aaron Rodgers. That, That's my that, question. that is a great question. Yeah, that is true. a great question. There's TV timeouts. There's other times where you can slip things in. You know, <laughs> I've been clipped off many times on the field by coaches of different, you know, other teams. <laughs> usually, usually in jest, um, but hey, it happens. You know, it's part of the game. Why do, you, why do you always uh, get along with the person who's attempting to kill you? This is interesting to me because when you run, okay, you're – Hey, sneaky athletic, isn't he? Oh, oh, damn right. Hey, oh, yeah. sneaky Ooh. athletic. The guy is... Sneaky super- athletic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's crafty, that guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, he's crafty smart. out there. Hey, <laughs> sh- shockingly quick and agile. Yeah. Yeah. All things said about white people that can run well. Coach on the field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you have a good rapport with basically everybody. There was a time down by the end zone where I think you were trying to figure out whether or not to throw or run. It was early. You and Harrison Smith had a moment there. And uh, you always seem to have the very positive interaction with people that are trying to kill you. And I'm intrigued by that. Has it always been that way now that you're an OG? Everybody like looks up to you and is nice to you? Or is there moments where you ever, you know, there was you know, like A.J. Hawk type Kevin Green moments with people? Or has it always just been upbeat, positive, hey, I just outran you and I'm a quarterback and I shouldn't be doing what I just did kind of mindset? I'd say if you take out all the, uh, you know, Detroit Lion interactions from, say, 20, 2009 to 2015, um, other than A.J. Hawk and Brady Papinga trying to hurt me at practice, you know, I feel pretty safe on the field. Uh, <laughs> You know, those Lions games over the years with uh, Sue and Fairley and some of the guys they had, those got pretty contentious. You uh, you knew you were going to get rocked uh, outside the pocket. Were you the one that got stepped on? Was that you? No. 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 Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I half stepped on. There was a quick no from the back. I'm not sure who that was. But wow. Evan Dietrich Smith got his got his body kind of stepped on. I got my calf stepped on. If you remember when Sue said he couldn't that. feel his legs in that cold game at the end of, uh, I think it was 2014. You guys remember that, don't you? Jeez. <laughs> Great excuse. I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know. I couldn't feel my legs. I didn't know what I was stepping on. Oh, but then I felt that it was a calf, so I stepped harder. It's <laughs> oh, classic. Hey, what do you guys, what, what do you do now, though? How weird was it, I guess, winning a big game like that? You know, like that's the best part about playing football is celebrating after a big win. What do you do? Like, how awkward was it going back, flying home? Like, all right, well, it's not like we can go meet up anywhere. I mean, the whole thing was strange. Uh, you just there was things that happened that I'd never I'd never heard before. The first is like our sideline clapping. I mean, I'd never heard that before. 
not really. I mean, because you're playing at home. If you have a first down or a good play, you hear the fans. Mm-hmm. You play on the road. There's a smattering. Obviously, we travel really well over the years. There's a smattering of, you know, Packer fans. I heard our sideline clapping and, you know, encouraging. I mean, you heard. Uh, Unbelievable. That's the punter, by the way, probably. That, that, <laughs> yes. That's a big not part our of our punter, jobs. Not our, oh, not our okay. punter. He's too zoned in. You know, J.K. Oh. Oh. He's over there, you know, if he's not reading the Bible, he's, you know, he's really thinking about his drops and he's getting totally, totally dialed in. I was a hype machine on that sideline, Aaron. I was a hype machine over there. It was. I bet you were. Yeah, you had to be. Yeah, but you were thinking about, you know, some other things, I'm sure. Yeah. Different times. I mean, the Bible sometimes, but I get it. But you said there was a lot of strange things. I cut you off. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just. Everything was so muted. The sound was muted. The, obviously, we heard, you know heard our sidelines. You could hear, you know, calls from the sideline. You could hear coaches yelling. Um, you know, it's just the whole thing was was just really different. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think there was for a lot of us after a score, usually you feel the the emotion from the crowd. And even if you're playing on the road and you score, like there's kind of that def, uh, deflating of the home crowd that's like inspiring for the for us the road team to like you know even celebrate harder and i don't know it just didn't feel like the same type of energy um obviously i mean it's not surprising but uh it was still football you know guys are still playing hard it just didn't have the same kind of electricity that a game in minnesota has the last few years is that something that worries you about the season because everybody knows like week eight to about week 13 you're in the middle of the tunnel, okay? You're too far in, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Now, if there's still, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the world by week eight? I mean, literally, who knows what's going to happen in the world eight weeks from now? Nobody knows. But if there's no crowd there, is that something that you think could potentially affect players or teams more so than people would probably expect it to? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking about looking around and watching games on Saturday. You know, games that had had fans that I know Miami's talked about having fans and, and Kansas City had fans. Um, I don't know. I just I would I guess I kind of am hopeful that we will have uh, fans at some point. Um, you know, I think you saw in those games, you know, people, you know, rocking masks and, you know, it seemed to be uh, plenty of distance between between each of them. But, you know, who's who's who knows at this point? We haven't you know, we haven't scheduled to have fans until definitely not the first two games but the way our schedule sets up with the you know we're away home away home and then a bye week um and then uh, away coming out of the bye oh. you know we don't have a home game our third home game is the beginning of november so there's still more time for organization to figure out what they want to do uh it'd be nice to get some fans in there um but i have to say you know i think that the thing that was was on my mind i don't know about you guys but I was interested to see how all the tests would come back from, especially from the Houston Kansas City game. You know, coming back after you know, we're playing, and oh, you know, they were allowing people to, you know, at least say hi to each other after the game, and don't, God forbid, you take your jersey off and <laughs> get else. But you know, at least you got to like uh, shake somebody's hand, and you know. But no, again, no positive tests across the league. So. I think that's definitely. There we go. Hey, it's going to take all of us. Woo! It's going to take all of us, Aaron. Um, <laughs> bye week, bye week after week four. Uh, that is called losing the bye week lottery in the world uh, of the NFL. You are throwing the ball better than you've ever thrown the ball. In your, do you agree with that statement that I made right there? You're throwing the ball better than you've ever. Th- 
Look, Pat, that's a completely subjective statement. I've no, I've seen you hit nets in practice. The, the drills, yeah, have the drills hey, are, I have not seen you miss a single hole on nope. the drill on any of the videos that have hit the internet. Then you haven't showed the ones I missed. No, no, they don't exist. Hey, I don't care. I'm not at practice. You shouldn't care either. But then on the the rollout the other day, you rolled out to the right. You're on your right foot, and you just threw like this dart, and it went. It seemed like it could have went for potentially 50 yards on a line, yep. maybe into the stands if it had to. That, I mean, I assume you're just like, yeah, I can do that. That's fucking unbelievable. I, I want to let you know. And that's just an average day for you. I can't wait to see what you do next week. Better do something awesome then if that's just a normal throw for Aaron Rodgers at this point. No, I think it's just, it's just one game, though. You know, it's, It was the performance that, uh, that I was hoping for, that we were hoping for as a team, but but it's just one game so i think we gotta let's just ease up a little bit i know there's some you know overreaction monday and tuesday but especially after week one there's been no football everybody's been fucking going crazy like you know just wanting some content to talk about now we've you know 16 games i think that you know what i will say is i think just like in 2011 pat you know age you know Everybody's like, oh, what's the, you know, what's it going to be like? Is, is it going to be good football or not good football? I think the quality of football was really high. I think, I think other than, uh, you know, a couple games, I think you saw some, some uh, really good quarterback play. I, I think you saw some guys, you know, make a play. I think you saw for the most part, the tackling was, was solid. Um, so I thought the level of play was, uh, was really, really high. And, uh, and I think maybe this reminds the owners and, uh, the pundits that maybe the preseason isn't as important as uh, the games wise as as a lot of people try and make it out to be, and maybe an off season where you get more time yourself is more beneficial for guys. <laughs> but how you guys already just agreed to a new CBA? So <laughs> yeah, why, why did you voice this a little louder? <laughs> what do you mean, you guys? You? I voiced it. I was an indie God, voice. The there were a few of us, few of us with uh, you know fully functioning. Uh, brains that, uh, that were green, but uh, there were some people who really wanted to push it through. Hey, how did you? How did you guys play so well? Especially, I mean, your offense, defense, everyone played well. You looked good, but without having all that, without having the offseason, without really having a normal camp, no preseason games, we saw some teams and some offenses that they weren't clicking. Like they looked like they they need some time. Like, what are you guys able to do to, to come out the gates like that? Well, it's just execution, really. I mean, I don't think it was any special formula. I think it does help being the second year in the system. You know, I think there's a lot more comfort for certain guys, myself and Devontae and Marquez and, and Allen. You know, uh, all those guys made plays. I think you know, early in the game, it was really uh, Devontae. And then, uh, you know, Marquez had a big catch down the sidelines. And then Allen in the second half, you know, kind of got going and made some plays for us. But, um, you know, for us, it was the balance we had we had the ball for 41 minutes you know that was the huge thing um you know it doesn't matter who you're playing like that's going to tire anybody out whether it's week one or week 17 um that's going to be a long day for the defense so we were able to keep the ball uh and keep the chains moving on third down um had sustained drives and 41 minutes you know that's that's a dominant time possession performance and doesn't really happen i think it's the most since they started tracking the stat so that <laughs> no was the deal. key to our success <laughs> no big deal by the way there's been a couple of those during your answers no big deal by the way just a couple <laughs> yeah, I, just don't want, I don't want the overreaction pat i love the energy yeah <laughs> yeah 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 hey you know well, what you know, aaron what you need to do so pat is real big into this you know it's it's just I think you need to just 
just calm it down a little bit. No, just, you're getting the MVP, you dude. Can't do it. Hey, you already won the. Hey, congratulations! Yeah. You won the MVP. Woo. What are you gonna hey, say? Put out. Hold on, we need Aaron to put out. Have someone film him working out in the Green Bay weight room. I know they, at least my office, they're not real keen on bringing a camera phone into the uh, weight room. If you put a workout video out there, Pat, absolutely, 100% will believe you are the, the NFL MVP, yeah. 100%, because Cam Newton, giant fan of his, because Cam put out some highly produced, like very well-produced, awesome workout videos, and Pat's all in. If you put a workout right. video out, then Pat might explode. Honestly, I think you should. By the way, I'm right. Do you have that? Uh, can you just go back to your camera's age and, and see me just – you know, just pumping iron and doing the verse down your basement. <laughs> <laughs> hey, get out the kettlebells. You know? Yeah, tell the boys I'm going to send over some footage. I need to cut it up in a quick highlight. Film <laughs> Zito will do that right now for it. sure. Um, Aaron. Thanks, huh, Pat? That's all it takes. Yeah, just you put out one good video and it looks like you're motivated more than I've ever seen you motivated. For instance, whenever I see you looking more fit than you've ever looked in your entire <laughs> life and you're dropping dimes and allegedly suck it signs like for me that is something i read and i'm like aaron's about to have the best year he's ever had in his life if he's feeling this way mentally so if you're putting out workout videos that means you're confident in what you're doing so i buy in and by the way cam newton was a guy i bought in immediately upon him being fired from the carolina panthers and then for 86 days i was like why is nobody signing this dude and then of course the patriots do and it makes too much sense but yeah i buy in hard and when do you jump off the wagon? As soon as I see something I don't like. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> quick, huh? Pretty quick. Hey, I'm not scared. Just like I got on the wagon, just as quickly as I got on, I'm not scared to go ahead and get the hell off of that thing if I see some things I do not like. Uh, Aaron, we can't thank you enough for your time. Before we go, you're wearing a Cal Fire hat. Obviously, Northern California right now where you're from is in the middle of another battle with fires. I think Oregon as well. Oregon as well. T's and P's, everybody back home, man. Yeah, thanks for highlighting that, Pat. I appreciate it. I lived in Oregon for uh, three years and, and have a lot of affection and friends still up there, um, affection for that area. Um, and then obviously Northern California, what, what they've gone through, you know, with fires in Santa Rosa, fires in Redding, fires, you know, in Paradise and Butte County. Um, yeah, that's just in Northern California. If you look at, I saw a map of of the state and it had little, you know, fire emojis all over the state as to where there were fires and just you know i was sent this hat a couple years ago by a firefighter rap and just want to give him some love and all the firefighters out there you know trying to make a difference i know there's been some rough winds and obviously high temperatures that they've had to deal with but uh man it's a tough time for california and just want people to to be thinking about them as they go about their day yeah you're a good man it's your home obviously you're going to look out for it we watch along just in absolute awe of what everybody's going through and the firefighters who are badasses not only flying in running in everything like that we appreciate them and we appreciate you have a great weekend will you aaron i mean to be honest that throw on one foot that went 35 40 yards you said very average you said this it's just pedialyte is it very i'm excited to see what you do next week has to be better than that one all right have a good day <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. So sorry to interrupt here, but boys and ladies, it is all about convenience. Cutwater Spirits help bring real alcohol drinks with you into the real world with their award-winning canned cocktails. They have over 20 blends. Okay. There's a Long Island iced tea coming, I believe. It's, it might be already made, but it's coming to the office. We got uh, a Moscow Mule, obviously, Bloody Mary. Mm -hmm. I believe uh, there's... Gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. And they're already pre-made, okay? 
They all come from a distillery in San Diego. They have an actual distillery, not some factory putting things together. It's a distillery in San Diego, over 20 blends. And we're in a world right now where you might not be able to go to the bar, okay? You might not be able to go see a cocktail... uh, Mixologist? Mixologist. I saw that on Bar Rescue a couple Mm -hmm. of times. You might not be able to go see your favorite mixologist. You might not be able to go see any mixologist because the world that we're in. And to be honest, you might not want to leave your house, Canned cocktails from Cutwater have just become the absolute craze in this office. Started with Connor. And normally, Connor, very dumb individual. I think we all agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Normally, a very dumb individual. But he has shown up in multiple spots with these Cutwater canned cocktails and been the hero as soon as he walked in. Absolutely. Always keeps a can on him. I mean, that's maybe a problem that we should look into. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we should potentially look into that. But every time he walks in and he goes, hey, here you go. You want to, oh, what are you guys making over here? You got beer? Oh, cool. Okay, you got a very, very heavy poor Jack and Coke because some stooge who's never made a drink before made it for you. Okay, that's awesome. Connor goes, hey, how about a Moscow mule? <laughs> Bang, right at you. Clutch. Uh, gin and tonics as well in there. Vodka sodas. I mean, they have like 20 different blends and they all taste damn good uh it's the most clutch drink you could ever have with real alcohol real convenience go grab cut water today i think it's sold at all your liquor stores Mm -hmm. you'll enjoy it i promise you will uh hopefully you're enjoying the show let's get back to it obj allegedly on his way out of Cleveland. They are attempting to shop him, try to get him out of Cleveland. We kind of expected this after how the first week went. And also, if you think about a new general manager, new offensive coordinator, new head coach, that team is gonna be built in a way that they've always envisioned a team being built. So having a massive contract from a previous regime that is now on your books and shaping the way you have to build your team, you would assume that that's potentially a move they would wanna make. We talked about it before, that potential being a move i think this past offseason that was a conversation about obj potentially being on the trading block then now you also think about baker mayfield he's gonna have to have a great year did not start well off on on week one they're probably gonna potentially look for him to go go in a different direction from him there's a lot of turnover potentially coming in cleveland miles garrett is a guy that'll be around for a long time mm-hmm. austin hooper is a guy that'll be around yeah, for a long mm-hmm. time i assume jarvis landry is going to be a guy they're going to want to build around in a wide receiver room but aside from that Nobody knows if their seat is safe in Cleveland because it's an entirely new regime out there. Odell Beckham leaving, definitely going to help Baker Mayfield, you know, have more yards next week, and that's going to really help their offense. Well, I assume OBJ had that one drop. Mm-hmm. Okay, for sure. And last year he had a uh, drop punt at one point. Yeah. But aside from that, OBJ, I think, makes plays for you, right? Pretty oh, yeah. good at wide receiver, I think. But he did not have a great first week. Okay, he was like had one catch on like seven targets or something like that because a big conversation was, hey, he needs to be a main focal point of the offense. So this year they tried to make him the main focal point of the offense at some points because Stefanski's like, hey, we have a guy who's a top three wide receiver whenever he's healthy, whenever he's going. Let's do that. And he had a drop. He had a couple misses had a couple uh missed targets that happened to him had one catch and i would assume obj is potentially at the point where he's uh, uh i don't want to say over the cleveland experiment anyways but if he was to 
potentially end up at, I don't know, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Frame home. Would he not Ooh. be pumped about that? Do the Green Bay Packers have enough salary cap to pay o- Odell Beckham Jr.? Uh, well, I guess it depends because I was going to ask, what do you think? What is his value now? Like, is I he? Sti- I mean, I guess it's still, uh, still whatever a team is going to give for him, but I don't think someone's going to give another first-round pick, second-round pick, you know, trying to trade for him. Who said he's on the market right now? Uh, according to my sources, <laughs> it was Mike Francis. <laughs> Mike Francis? Yeah. yeah. The Pope. Mike Francis is breaking news yeah. about Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah. Okay. talking Odell. Okay. Mike Francesa says that he is potentially on the market. He was allegedly on the market this past offseason as well. Mm-hmm. We will continue to follow that story closely. Speaking of stories that will follow, closely last night a man made his nfl broadcasting debut he's the voice of college football he's very handsome ladies and gentlemen i assume fresh off of a plane out of new york kirk herbstreit what's up fellas hey congratulations on a great debut last night you father and maria absolutely killed it in the meadowlands thank you you had a great uh unbelievable experience about Monday Night Football, and it was no. I know there weren't any fans. I know it's COVID and all that, but uh, it's the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger and the New York Giants, and man, it was a lot of fun. Did you? How much did you have to prepare for that? Because it, you did lean on a lot of your college knowledge of players. There was a couple times where you'd mention a player, the school they came <laughs> from, and everything like that, which doesn't normally happen in an NFL broadcast. But it seemed like you knew what the hell you were talking about, which is not everybody just assumes it's because you know football. You know that, but you also know every single thing about college football, which has seventy-seven teams playing. So that was interesting to me and impressive to me that you knew your stuff about the guys that are on the field. I'll tell you, man, I, I don't know if I've prepped any harder for a game than I did for that game because I wanted to do a, you know as good of a job as I could. I had the background of the college information that's just in my my, my database. I, you know, I don't even know where that is, but it's just <laughs> there. you know but the the NFL, and I don't know, I, I don't know if I texted you this or not, but I was I was somewhat concerned with how would the Giants and the Steelers be with me? coming in to do a game because in college I get ridiculous access with coaches you know when you're in a production meeting or they give you a cell phone and they talk real with you they don't talk like they would talk when they're standing at a podium they they give you real information it really helps you do a broadcast I didn't know if I would get that in the NFL and I was blown away um, by what the Giants the players the coaches and the Steelers um, just so forthcoming so when you get all of that um, prep put in into kind of your bank and then you go do the game it just it, it makes you feel so relaxed to just let the game be the game and then you just drop in the information that you prepped with based on film study and and the inter- the interviews that you did you know individually with these guys and you just stay out of the way and let the players do what they do and talk a little bit about them and enjoy it. And that's that's kind of what we did. Well, it was awesome. And I, I think I'm somebody who lives on the Internet, so I can tell you this. Uh, Twitter is a rather toxic place right now because it is election time. And it is just it, it's become a very negative place in a lot of different places. Right. Last yeah. night. Kirk Herbstreit, Fowler were a mm-hmm. resounding yes to this this group absolutely oh, yeah. crushed NFL coverage. And mm-hmm. I don't know how often you are on Twitter right now because it is a toxic place. They are they were in love with you. And I and I said this uh, this morning in our thing. It was like everybody got a chance to taste like okay the most polished commentating crew 
with Fowler and Herbie. And then Steve Levy, Riddick, and Greasy had to follow that on their first night. And it was like, hey, this is the group that was chosen. And I thought they did pretty good, by the way. I didn't think mm-hmm. it was that bad. I think it would only get better. But you and Fowler absolutely slaughtered last night. And Fowler had never called an NFL game either, right? No, man. And, and he was in the middle of U.S. Open. You know, he was <laughs> doing t- two weeks of, uh, of calling matches with the U.S. Open and, and just trying to do the best that he could with his prep for the uh, for the game. Chris Fowler is just, if you didn't know about Chris, he's just, the guy's just as professional. You'd use a perfect word to describe him. He's as good as there is to, to me, whether it's studio work or, or becoming one of, the, one of the top play-by-play guys. So um, I, I wasn't surprised with, with the job that he did, but um, to hear that, I've stayed away from social media because he said it's a toxic world. I don't handle um, that world real well. A lot of times I'll text you and ask for advice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, saying this, what do I do? Um, but I, I honestly, if they're happy with it, we're, we're, we're um, really appreciative of that. But I, uh, I don't know what, where, where this will go from here. But uh, you and I have talked about Monday Night Football a lot. I'm just happy to do the one that we got a chance to do. And, and who knows what will happen down the road. You've always said, though, that if it was to take over college football, you wouldn't do it. College football is your baby. You love college football. You always have. You always will. Uh, college game day is back on location. Yeah! You guys putting a show together, the best show on television. How's that been? Obviously, COVID 2020, it's a different environment. You don't have the crowd, but I thought Saturday's show was awesome. Dude. We love having you on the show, number one. Oh, we we really you. appreciate you coming and, and being a part of it. I know last year you, you got a taste of it, and uh, this year with, with, with uh, everything going on, we're going to make the best of what we have to work with. But thank you for being a part of the show. We, we love doing it. As you know, we love being out on the road. It's very different without having fans, but it is what it is. You know, We can sit around and kick the ground and, and be pissed off that uh, the world is unfair, but it, it's the deck of cards that we have right now, and we're going to go to Louisville, and we're going to put on a great show, and we're going to talk about the games that are going to be played, and we're going to talk about the issues and the things that are going on. So we're, we're just happy that I'm not sitting you know, in Nashville doing a show, and Corso, I know he's in Orlando, but I just love the fact that we have a show that's on the road, and our bosses are allowing us to, to do that. And uh, hopefully the Big Ten... I don't know. I, I, I've been kind of unplugged. Maybe you have some information, but I hope the Big Ten presidents after their meetings over the weekend are moving in a positive direction. I, you know, I, I keep looking at that October 17th. And let, the latest would be the 24th or somehow the Big Ten, if they were able to come back by then, they could be included in this year's college football playoff. So if, if there is a chance of that happening, I hope the presidents uh, decide to, to vote and, and hopefully they'll vote accordingly based on the data and the information, the science that they heard from guys like uh, Dr. Jim Borchers from Ohio State, who's a great dude. Um, and hopefully we move forward with this and, and they can play ball and be a part of this. Have you heard anything? What, what's yeah. the latest? There's breaking news, actually. In Nebraska, the Nebraska president was caught on a hot mic or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, Nebraska President Ted Carter says this morning, not knowing he's on a hot mic, before a news conference, we're getting ready to announce the Huskers and Big Ten football tonight. So tonight, announcement's coming. So why don't you get on the horn, start <laughs> calling people, and see what the hell's happening. Oh, <laughs> That's good news. Oh God, dude, that is so. Oh man, I hope that it happens. If that happens, I will be so fired up. And you're right, I am a college football junkie. I am just, I like, I, I loved what I did last night, but I don't know if I could ever shut down college football and do NFL. College football feeds my soul, you know. And and if that that's true, 
man, you just made my week. If that ends up, if that vote goes down and they end up voting it, uh, that would be huge. Great news to hear if that happens. Well, I don't know if Brett McMurphy is a knowledgeable guy or not. You'd probably know more, but he's the one who put yeah. out the tweet. A thousand yeah. retweets, it's going. Yeah, I mean, he gets he's somewhat of a controversial character from time to time, but oh. typically <laughs> him to, to talk about something, usually he has, you know, he has some information, so um hopefully that happens man that'd be that'd be obviously great news and a lot give, give us a lot to talk about saturday on game day amen kirk being in the stadium last night and, and calling the game was there a position group or player that stood out last night that that impressed you man that's a great question uh the obvious would be the steelers wide receivers you know that with ben coming back we know who ben is right uh pat knows we, we he and i were texting last night during the game he, he, he's experienced ben and we know what ben can do oh yeah he gets rolling. The fact mm-hmm. that he's back and healthy, okay, we put that to the side. To me, those wide receivers, um, this Claypool kid out of Notre mm-hmm. Dame, they told me privately, they said they've never been more excited about a guy at that position than this kid Claypool because of what he can do. Ebron, who came over, I know, from India, you're not probably happy about that, but Jesus. we know what he can do, getting <laughs> vertical, and he can be a guy that can be dangerous puts a lot of heat on those safeties that defend that Pittsburgh offense. So last year without Ben, they were dinking and dunking and they couldn't do anything. Now, man, opening things up for Juju, Deontay Johnson. I I just think that this offense, as much as the defense is going to keep them in every game they play, because they're best defense maybe in the league, this offense has a chance to be dynamic by the time they get really into their flow, if they stay healthy. They lost Zach Banner last night. Um, You know, Connor looks like he, he got dinged as well. But I would say the Steelers receivers to me really have a chance to be special how about that giants offensive line problematic (laughs) problematic that is probably the words the words are a work in progress yeah (laughs) it's a reload yeah that's exactly what it is you guys daniel jones is going to be okay yeah jones is doing some things that you really gotta like i love quarterbacks that Clearly, he's in the film room from the time this game ended until whoever they play on Sunday. He is going to either be sitting next to Jason Garrett or he's going to be studying film. And so that's going to allow him to be able to know where to go with the ball on Sunday. And, you know, if he can just get some help up front. And that, that's, again, that's a, a group that's got to build some continuity. But they got skill and they got a quarterback that's, that's willing to commit himself to to knowing how to, to prepare and, and knowing what to do with the football. And that's what he's been taught by Jason Garrett. Just distribute the football. Don't try to be a hero. Distribute the ball and find the right guy. And I thought he did that a lot last night, considering the defense that he was facing and that his offensive line didn't 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 necessarily help him when they were throwing the ball. He needs to wear like a, uh, a couple extra layers, I think. Mm-hmm. I saw Andrew Luck have the same type of situation. It was not great. Connor, what do you got? Uh, Kirk, you and Fowler talked about Joe Judge being an old school guy and kind of serious football on the broadcast last night. What's he like? And do you see uh, the New York Giants kind of entering into a new era? Yeah, I do. I, I do. And, and I'm not just saying this because I just called the game and, you know, you call a game. Pat can relate to this. You call a game, you sit down with a coach from, you know, Cincinnati. And next thing you know, Luke Fickle, man, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, all in. I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Jeff I, Collins. Jeff Collins. Jeff Collins. Jeff Collins, my man, right? I'm telling you guys, we'll see. We'll see what this era produces. But you, you've got to be impressed with this guy. It's just old school approach. For a young guy, um, you know, everybody made a big deal and kind of made fun about him telling guys to run laps. It's it's not that so much. It's more of just when you talk to Saquon or you talk to Jabril Peppers and they're buying into this because he's like, guys, you don't understand. 
they, Saquon said, we've gone over every potential scenario in the history of the NFL. And, and we all kind of laughed. He goes, I'm serious, man. He goes, this coaching staff teaches us more about the game than anybody I've ever been around. So I think that's a really big step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Pat will tell you, co- players just want a coach that can help them produce on Sunday. Just give me some help. Give me a, some clarity to the scheme, to the matchup, to, to my assignment. And, and it's like if you go back to that Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl, he decided to throw the ball instead of running. And everybody made a big deal about that. But but Butler made a play on that ball. If you go back and listen, if you remember, he said, coach said two days before the game, when they get in this formation, it don't don't be surprised. They're going to try to rub you and you got to get underneath that and cut that quick slant. It's exactly what happened in the Super Bowl. So when you give guys answers in practice to what potentially happens in games, then I think that's all they really want. And so the laps and all that, and the discipline, that's great. But I think it's how meticulous and detailed uh, this coach will be is I think the reason the Giants should be excited. Yeah, you were selling hard that Saquon and Danny Mm -hmm. said like, hey, this is something that we needed in here. And that was interesting to hear. I didn't know if that was just them saying that to you because that's the right answer or if they truly believed it, you thought. But, dude, they've sucked for three years. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. the worst franchise. This, this, we're not talking about the Bengals, you know, a team I like. It's one thing if they suck or the Browns suck. This is the New York Giants mm-hmm. that have sucked, the worst record in the NFL for three years. So they they want to win, and they, they're feeling the heat from their media and their fans. So if a, if a guy comes in and says, hey, guys, I've been with the Patriots. year before that, I was with Nick Saban. Those guys, they seem to know what they're doing, right? <laughs> if you know how to win, follow me over here over this hill over here follow me and they're all kind of looking around each other yeah four and 12 kind of sucks guys over here i'm going i'm going over this hill right here with this coach and and honestly he need now if he has an offensive line to work with and if they get better then I think that people are going to be surprised with the direction of, of uh, this franchise with this coach. And that's what everybody talked about that played for the Patriots. They're like situational football. Every single day you learn situational football. Right. I assume that somebody wishes Vic Fangio was a part of that at one point in his life Maybe. because of what happened at the end of last night. What up, Ty? Kirk, it seems like we had quite a few upsets in college football this last week. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you think that'll be the norm moving forward with there not really being home field advantage? Or do you think water will find its level and the better, better teams will win as we progress? That's a Great question, and I guess it's still somewhat of a mystery until we start to see more games played because you're right. I mean, some of this stuff that you're watching, you you can't even predict. Even the Bear uh, can't predict, you know, (laughs) that that some of these upsets are going to happen. And so I I can't wait to see as we see these teams for the second time and a third time, you know, you start to get film, you start to have a little bit of an idea of the identity of teams. Then I think then I think you start to be able to really evaluate it a little bit better. But coming out of of COVID, where guys were quarantined and weren't allowed to come around the facility, and then finally they started to work out more consistently in mid to late July. That that's a tough ask to really know who you are as a football team. And a lot of these college coaches, they're they're following the line. We're not allowed to hit. We're going to use bags. It's like what? Like how are we going to play a game when we're not even hitting? And so. That part of it makes it a little bit unpredictable. If you have a coaching staff that I care about my players and we're not gonna we're not gonna hit, I'm like, damn! If you cared about your players, either hit in practice and prepare accordingly, or shut the season down. (laughs) 
doing more damage to your players True. by following the CDC guidelines, whatever the hell they're following, to, by not hitting. You're not doing your players a favor at all. You need to hit and you need to play football and practice in order to be able to play on Saturday. Or like I said, if you can't if you can't provide that for your players, then you should not you should just say we're gonna we're gonna opt out as a team or or practice the right way because I, I don't I don't buy into that at all. And uh, if you're not comfortable with that, it's okay. Just opt out. Just say we're gonna shut it down. So if that continues the the, the way that some of these teams are preparing it's it's virtually impossible to know how they're going to perform on Saturday. And I think it's kind of irresponsible, too, to be putting their players in that situation where you haven't really felt anything, and then all of a sudden you're going against a team that's been hitting for three weeks at this point, and it's like your it's, first day of training camp, and they are already midseason form. That is a very different animal. That's why everybody talks about the dog days of training camp. First couple of days, I'm going to be dead. My body's going to be sore, and these guys are just getting dropped in on Saturdays. Like, here you go. By the way, we didn't hit all week again, so how you felt last week, we're going to feel again because we didn't even work through it. Here you go. That is very – I didn't even think about that. Yeah, man. I mean, this game, as you know, this game is about hitting people and being hit. And your body and your mind have to get accustomed to that. You know, you, you look at teams that are – you know, you get to the middle of September, into October. Now you're a well-oiled machine as a player and as a team. And if you're not doing that and then all of a sudden we're going to throw you out on Saturday – that's a tough ask, in my opinion. So I'm going to keep a close eye on that and, and what they're doing and as far as their preparation to see how that may impact some of these teams. Hey, last question before we let you go. Can't thank you enough here after your big NFL Monday Night Football debut. Yeah! Um, hey, can you can – because you, I got a chance to learn this from doing college game day and being on set and getting to talk to people. Can you share uh, the importance of Lee Corso to college game day and how important that man is to not only the show but to literally every human that's there? Uh, can't really. I mean, he's – eighty. You got, first, got to start. He's 85 years old. Um, I, I've been with him for 25 years. Um I, I have such a great relationship, unique relationship with him. It hasn't always been that way. I mean, it, it didn't start that way. I didn't really know him. And then, you know, the way you get to know people is you you get in the back of a car and you're driving to a photo shoot or a commercial and you start talking to them about your your kids or your, you have questions, you know. And I used to turn to him like I turned to Yoda, you know, for wisdom. <laughs> and, and so, honestly, I, I just – I have such uh, admiration for him and love for him. And, you know, you get to this point in his career and we're all just, you know, when he's sitting next to me, I, I feel like I can help him. I feel like I can, you know, put my hands on him and, and help him. And, dude, it's hard when you when you watch him and you can't do that. It's, it's tough. And same time, he's got such, you know, he's got such charisma and personality. I, I think just like you're, you know, you're, you're a guy – with this internet world that we live in, you're, you're a pioneer and you're going to be one of the great entertainers. Lee Corso in television terms is one of the great entertainers of all time, you know, whether it's sports or just entertainment in general. So, you know, he, he is not the person that he was 20 years ago. He, he was a wise guy. He was, a, you know, a one liner. He was think on his feet, make fun of somebody. You know, he, he that was what made his name for him you know he was kind of like a bob euchre kind of guy uh-huh. for college football and you know now he's 85 years old and um he's on it he's on a, a second and a half or two second delay which makes it really hard for a guy who's 85 years old but damn it he's college football he is 
the sport. He's an icon. And if he feels healthy enough to, to continue to be a part of the show, um, then we will do everything in our power to make him feel comfortable and make him feel part of it and let him do his thing. And so we love him and hope he's able to stay healthy and continue to be part of college game day as long as as long as he can hell yeah i completely agree by the way after meeting him it was a whole different level of appreciation getting to talk to him he's a legend absolute legend and so are you mr herb street 25 years one of the voices now the voice of college football from espn ladies and gentlemen kirk herb street. Thank, yeah. you, thank you herbie three time three time Three-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, and in the Cowboys Ring of Honor, ladies and gentlemen, Darren Woodson. Yeah! yeah! Boy, Darren! What's up, man? What's up? I just read through your list there, and every time I do it, while I'm in the middle of it, I go, damn, this guy was fucking good at the football. Every yeah. single time. Hey, you know what? Damn, how long has it been since the Cowboys have been there? That's a long time. <laughs> oh, let's talk about it. Same old Cowboys. Hey, same old Cowboys, Darren Woodson. That team on Sunday Night Football. By the way, Jerry Jones is going to get Sunday Night Football on opening night if he was a part of building a $5 billion stadium in his backyard, and he's going to debut on that thing. That team just did not look interesting. And you listen to all the sports talk conversation about them, Darren. It's like, hey, the offense was a dud. This was this. They got hurt. It's the same old Cowboys, new head coach. How is it down in Dallas? Is it the world is on fire, or they have faith that the team's going to be able to turn around because there's so much talent there? I think there's still faith there. And again, listen, let's let's you know throw out everything here that's that's out there as far as you know. No, no one had a training camp. Uh, not a single team went through the physical aspect of getting ready for a sing, uh, for a, the season opening game. Okay. You know, my issue with the Cowboys was it was the same thing that we saw last year. And it wasn't so much about effort or the skilled players. It was about the line of scrimmage and get in winning the line of scrimmage. The physical part of the game was exactly what we've been seeing the last couple of years. They got punched in the mouth both offensively and defensively. And they were not. This is just what it was. They weren't the better team on Sunday. They weren't the more physical team on Sunday. The other the team, the Rams were the more physical team. They came to play. There was a confidence and a swagger about them. The Cowboys could never match that energy. Had opportunities at the end, but you have to win. We can talk about all the skill positions, the Amari Cooper and the Ezekiel Elliott's and, you know, C.D. Lamb and, and all these weapons that they have. But if you don't win in the trenches and you don't block and tackle, you're going to have some problems, and that's exactly what we saw. Yeah, so great point there. You always win with the big guys. It doesn't get talked about enough because their names aren't really known because it's not really that glorified of a position because it's just hand-to-hand combat, one fight, other person. But wouldn't you think if you're the Dallas Cowboys, and this is happening in college football and in the NFL in some places, where guys haven't been able to just flip the switch, like, oh, hey, this means something. And Aaron talked to us about this before season. Aaron Rodgers told us before the season even kicked off, he was like, a lot of guys are going to have to flip the switch and be like, hey, this means something now. Like, yeah. every, every rep means something. Don't you think, though, if you had to go against Aaron Donald week one, <laughs> somehow, some way, you'd be like, hey, there is a physical specimen that the world might never see again going against us. We're going to have to turn this up. Because it did seem like... You 
you said they got punched in the mouth. It seemed like they were getting blindsided too. That they, they didn't know that was even coming. And how do you even prepare for that without practice? Is that all mental or is that things that you actually need reps and you would assume that they're going to get better as you go? Or is that the Cowboys this year on the offensive uh, Look, I, I think they get better as they go and you need those those reps. You just didn't have yep. Okay, listen, it's almost like day one. You're at training camp and, and you're going half speed half the time and then the, light, the switch comes on and now you have to see Aaron Donald who's an absolute beast. And thank God we only have to see him hopefully just one time uh, this year. But at the same time, you know what's going to be in front of you. You know that. So mentally, I, I've been in those situations knowing that I had Jerry Rice on the other side of the ball. I know that I have Randy Moss on the opposite side of the ball. And in, in doing so, it doesn't matter how many reps I have. Mentally, I got, I have to <laughs> get there. And that's the thing that I saw this week. When you got Connor Williams, Zach Martin, Zach Martin's an all-pro, gave up his first sack. I mean, of the season. And it was early to Aaron Donald. That switch has to be on, man. You Listen, double his ass, figure it out, but he shouldn't be the guy that beats you. He should not be the guy that beats you. Let someone let Brockers beat you, but don't let Aaron Donalds beat you. Yeah, he's circled by every team. Like, hey, this is the guy. All right. And by the entire NFL, and they know it too. And even in production rooms, they just have a camera on him the entire time. They're like, hey, this is the guy that we're going to watch. Everything he does, we see. So it would be surprising that um, he wouldn't get doubled or taken care of, but he's a game wrecker. That's what game wreckers do. I want to go back to you flexing there for a little bit about your career where you said Jerry Rice was on the other side of Randy Moss. Which one would you rather go against if you had one last rep and it was in your prime and in their primes? Would you rather go against look, Jerry man, or would you rather I, I go against Jerry? Jerry's the GOAT. Jerry is the GOAT. Best receiver. He and, you know, I always say I saw the best of the best every day, and that was Michael Irvin. Every day at practice, Michael Irvin was sharpening us. But if we're talking overall stat-wise, you always know Jerry's that guy. But in any particular game, if it was one game that I had and I knew that I didn't want to see him, it would be Randy Moss because – you could have Randy Moss covered, and it was over. You felt like it was over. He's covered. They're not going to look his way. We're doubling him. They're not going to look his way. And then the ball's in the air. And I can't tell you how many times I was on the opposite end of watching that ball in the air and going, oh, my God, he's going to catch this thing. Like, I'm talking during the game, ball in the air, and I'm already, I've already lost the battle because you know he's going to go up at 6'4 and make a play. And that's something that we hadn't seen in that time period. We had in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, we hadn't seen that. And then, you, you know, Randy Moss comes in and then you see the Calvin Johnsons and then, then DeAndre Hopkins and all these tall receivers, the, you know, Green and all these other guys. But Randy Moss was the first that we actually saw go up and get it and be that athletic. And it's still, by the way, talked about Randy or getting mossed is something that is still <laughs> yeah. lives this day. And I feel like if Randy really wanted to, let's say somehow, some way, Randy ended up completely broke because he invested in floating furniture like Mark Brunel. <laughs> I think... I think Randy could make a team right now oh, yeah, and yeah. play if he wanted to and probably will be able to for the rest of his life. I, I would... I would I would shit my pants if I had to line up against Randy Moss and like yeah. paychecks were on the line like hey okay that guy's jobs on the line with me having to do this it's impressive stuff did you think football this weekend was ugly or did you think it was better than you expected to be with no physicality really in any practices with people not even being able to really sit in meeting rooms together did it exceed your expectations of what the football level was going to be or was it worse you know I, I expected it this way honestly I, I didn't, and I didn't think it was that bad I mean me I saw some really good games this past week you know i tuned in early on and saw the the eagles and the redskins game and I, I honestly i thought that game was over with oh yeah and you know 
in the second half, you saw a Redskins team that just came to life. Whoa, 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 Darren. Washington football team. I'm sorry. You're, you're right. I'm no longer at ESPN. They're no longer holding my hand. So right. I'm sorry. I apologize. The Washington football team. How many years have I been playing against that team? Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, I called them exactly that name. Yeah, so San I'm Diego sorry. Chargers still I'm, to this day, by the way. Yeah. And Oakland Raiders. I mean, yeah. that LV on the thing was very yeah. – It was that interesting was to see. Uh, but you're right. The game's changing. Hey, world's changing. Let's go. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep up. On this show, yeah. Darren, we get facts right. Hell yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah, again, man, going back to that, that the Washington football team. Yeah, they played ex- extremely well in that second half. And that's a team that could easily have laid it down. So, I, you know, I, I'm excited about the season. I know they didn't have a whole lot. You know, we dealt with COVID. We dealt with guys not really interacting. We dealt with coaches being away from the players for a long time. But, you know, week one to me was an exciting time. And I, I don't know if it's just me being ready for in the NFL to come around, but I didn't see much of a drop off. I didn't see the fans. Of course, you didn't get that part of it, but it was football back to, to, to its norm. And man, I enjoyed every minute of it. I think some of those crowd controller noise people need to tighten yes. up mm-hmm. and figure it out for it's, sure. Cause there's some really good. Yes. Yeah. Like last night, for instance, there was a couple good plays. Whenever uh, Danny Dimes dropped a dime to Darius Slayton, they turned oh, yeah. up the crowd noise right before Darius Slayton got it. And it felt like a fan saw that he was open mm-hmm. and were like, they went crazy. I was like, oh my God, it felt like I was there. Then there were some times where it was yeah. like, oh, this is bad. Like, uh, somebody needs to pay attention here for a second. Uh, Diggs, what do you got? Darren, my favorite question of this week is how long does Mike McCarthy sit there and not take over pl- calling plays? Or does Jerry, is Jerry going to keep it the way it is? And, have Mike McCarthy just sitting there holding his holding his crank. You know, I think it's you know Kellen Moore right now has been anointed the, the offensive coordinator, and, I, and you can't tell me if they start to struggle or continue to struggle. Which look, man, offensively, outside of up front getting beat up a little bit, and they were they're playing without a couple players, playing out without Lyle Collins, and then Jarwin gets hurt. But you know they weren't as physical up front. But you can't. I, I thought they played well. I thought Ezekiel Elliott played extremely mm-hmm. well. I thought Dak. Moved the ball and drove the ball down the field extremely well in the first three quarters of the game. So, you know, I, I'm not going to give Kellen Moore a lot of the blame, but if they struggle throughout the season, you know, Mike McCarthy is an offensive mind. Uh, you better believe he's probably going to take over uh, through, through, you know, at some point in the season if Kellen Moore continues, if they continue to struggle offensively. But I still think there's a lot of growth with this offense, and I'm optimistic, guys. Look bad this past week. But that was game one. Hell, I've played in game ones where we look like garbage and then end up winning the Super Bowl. So, you know, hopefully those things turn around. But I, I have a lot of faith in Kellen Moore moving forward. Well, you're literally in an office that's inside of the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys yeah. building, I'm though. So, I'm not. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you you yeah, actually I, changed the way I view the entire Dallas Cowboys, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because, because your ability to just overlook the practice field. My last question here for you is, were you surprised that the jerseys without – numbers or names didn't work and get them a W in the first week. Was that a surprise to you? <laughs> that was a surprise. Yeah, okay. no, not. That was wild. Was that outside of your office where that was happening? And like, for, for this is 100% real. What did you think of that entire thing? Was that Mike McCarthy coming down there realizing how much access people have to the practices, whether it's media or fans or anything like Absolutely, that? And him look, going, hey, we cannot have this happen anymore. Do you think look, there is Pat, a real look, change I, of culture? No, Pat, look, this, this, this has been uh, the case with the Cowboys since, you know, especially, I would say since Jerry, since Jimmy Johnson uh, was fired and let go. There's been a ton of access. 
to everything, practice, uh, lunch, to every, anything you want. And that's, that's how the Joneses sell that, that, the brand. And that's how the sponsors, the sponsors have a ton of access. And the fans, the local fans have a ton of access to watch the Cowboys. I think it was Mike McCarthy saying, look, we have to put, the, put a halt to this. And it's, what surprised me in this is that Jerry allowed, actually allowed that to happen. Yeah. That was the biggest surprise because it's been the norm around here as far as access. And when they shut it down, you know, I had to applaud Mike McCarthy because it showed that he has some power moving forward and his word means something. Well, and by the way, secrecy is massive in the NFL. Every little piece of information is a massive edge. So the fact that that's been going on now, whenever you told us about the overlook and then the local media was upset that they weren't able to shoot the entire practice, I was like, they shoot the entire practice? Like that oh, is, yes. I was like mind blown by it. And I yes. was, I can't believe that's what they, but that's why the Cowboys are the wealthiest mm-hmm. franchise yeah. in the world. I think it's like... Call it what you want. You you were about to say America's team. That's what you are about to say, Pat. Go ahead and say it. No, this is America's <laughs> show, so we wouldn't say it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champion All-Pro from Dallas Cowboys, Darren Woodson. Thank you, Darren. Good seeing you, fellas. Appreciate you, man. All right, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you so, so much. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend. If you didn't, just act like this never happened. Massive shout out to Aaron Rodgers, Darren Woodson, and Kirk Herbstreet, if he came on the show. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. So, Gumpy, you're going to have to figure out that out there. Mm-hmm. For coming on the show, uh, we can't thank you enough. We'll see you manana, by the way. Aaron Rodgers, big guest, obviously. Wait till you see who we got tomorrow. Oh! From all of us to all of you, you're the greatest. Gumpy, please play some independent music.